Hello and welcome to Tashi Station Radio, where we sell power converters and talk about X-Wing. We're currently backlogged on all our power converter orders because, of course, the Boonta Eve Classic coming up. So we're just going to talk about X-Wing here. I'm Matt Newt. I'm Doug Howe. I'm Alex Smith. And I'm Greg Smith. And let's get into it. First, uh, how have we been over the last few weeks, guys? Not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been kind of 50-50 for us. Uh, for starters, it's started to get damn hot here. Mm-hmm. And since we're not all no we're no longer all confined to our homes, uh, we've got to go out in that heat. And that oh, sucks. Awful, man. I hate it so much. On the other hand, I still work from home four days a week, so it's it's fine for me. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Uh, Greg, are you back to work yet? I just uh, don't do it as much. Well, technically, I got to go back to work Friday, but let's be honest, I'm taking the day off. Uh, but I had to go back. I had to do annual training for the last two weeks. So I've been out in the heat, and it's been crazy because we had to work multiple different shifts, like, First, second, and third shift, like in the time period that we were, whatever. Well, yeah, hard. so you don't, yeah, yeah, you don't get any kind of regular sleep schedule. No, I was, I'm still exhausted, actually. Like, I'm still recovering. Let's see, Father's Day, I uh, slept more than half of the day and I felt terrible about it, but I was like, there's nothing else I could do. Like, I was so messed up. And they, they, the thing is, is they tried to get us to come in earlier. So we had to come in at two o'clock rather than three o'clock and then still work until one o'clock. And they thought that because they did that, we should be able to come in earlier the next day. I don't know how they do math, but that is not how you get somebody to come in earlier the next day. Uh, it was yeah, rough. I, miss, yeah. I do not miss those days. Yeah. And speaking of missing things, uh, you also said goodbye to your 20s this past week. Oh, sad. Yeah. Totally it's dead. all down Welcome to the end, I'm all old and stuff now. Yeah, you're six Same. months behind, though, to be fair. Yeah, you had a good extra six months of life over us. True. <laughs> that's true. It's over, man. That's how age works, it's, right? When you hit over. 30 and a half, that's when that's the wall right there. Oh, that's it? All right. I'll hit you guys up when you guys turn 31. Hey, that means I got six days. Woo-woo. Yeah, see, mine was Friday when I had the flat tire that caused me to need to replace all of the tires on my car. Uh, <laughs> yeah. On my half so, birthday. <laughs> Indeed. So while Greg had a birthday, uh, Doug, you had another streamed uh, game as part of the XTC and have progressed to three and zero as part of the U.S. team's continued dominance. I did try yeah. to throw that last game away. Oh, <laughs> did you ever? I've not been that you know on the edge of my seat watching a game. Your opponent from was it uh, Chile? You were playing this week, right? Yeah. Uh, Martinto. He he staged as best a comeback as was possible yeah. against the, the I did know if I lost like I knew at the time if I'd lost Fonrag I was still up by one point, but like that doesn't mean it was the right call. No. <laughs> Which for context, I won a I won at time 129 to 128. I had a the huge one point victory. Yeah. Oh MOV, man. It, uh, yeah, that's are they counting MOV in the XTC? They are. So many it's games. The third tiebreaker, so it shouldn't ever come up. <laughs> you can't expect to have really good MOV with a two shift list like that. Uh, I mean, my MOV was pretty good before that game. Now it's it wasn't. aggressively. Yeah, because if if Kylo lives, that's hundred. He has hundred and twenty point Kylo. Like. Normal people, they fly things. Doug, when he flies things, they just don't die. That is true. That is true. They just don't shoot at me enough. Uh, yeah, so if you guys uh, go and watch, that was uh, on Nickel City X-Wing, I believe, was streaming that. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, they should have that game on their YouTube, and I recommend everybody go and watch it. It is a clinic on how to fly aces again. I feel like we say this uh, about Doug's games a lot. For the they do, but th- this was a great one because, uh, I mean, his opponent... You, you did nothing but kite with Von Reg for the first 45 minutes of the game, and he, he just kept biting on it. He just kept going, uh, this will be the turn I catch Von Reg. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the trick is to go just slow enough that he thinks yeah, that he's trying. 
I, I felt also, that guy's pain the entire time, and it yeah. was so also, sad, but also so happy. people just aren't willing to keep running with half their list the entire game, so people expect them to turn in eventually. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, I did eventually, which is why Ivana died. I should have just kept running. Right. Uh, well, well, you guys, fourth round, yeah, you two. Unfortunately, I think be done by the time this is out, because it's on Thursday. But we raised early. It's on X-Wing Debrief. It'll be streamed at 5 o'clock Thursday, Central Time. All right. I'll see if I can't get it out before then. But uh, while you guys have been having uh, a great last two weeks, uh, Alex and I kind of got the short end of the stick on that. Uh, Yeah. uh, You mentioned that you ended up having to replace all the tires on your car. Yeah. Turns out they were seven Uh, years old. So that's past the life of tires. I spent the last four days in 90 plus degree heat with no air conditioning. Uh, Just got that fixed this morning. And then we both spent some time in the hospital. So true. uh, Yeah, both of us are fine. I had a regular procedure. Alex had uh, had some stuff done, but we're all good. That's all good. Yeah, we're we're fine. Uh, So obviously, uh, what what we figured out is that luck is a zero sum game, and we need to destroy Doug and Greg all rule a two style. Can you wait until after XTC? I mean, oh yeah, the country still needs you. <laughs> the country. Fine, I'll kill Doug after XTC. Dibs on yeah. Doug, by the way, because Greg will kill me. That's not true. I think I, my love for you, I I couldn't kill you. Even if I was trying to kill you, you no. couldn't kill me. Like I appreciate the compliment. But... Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's true. Yeah, I'll kill you. But see, it's not like, <laughs> you will 100 percent win that fight every time. And Doug, yeah. it's a mirror match, so like we're 50 50. Uh. Yeah, so, but, then, but then you got Matt and I, and something would just click in both of us, and then we would just like go all army training, and then it would just it'd be terrible. Nobody see for you, that's still current reflex. Nobody for wants me, to that's watch twenty-five that. years ago. I'm aviation. I haven't done anything army, and I am the worst soldier possible. I like stay away from anything physical activity. Oh, so true, so true. I'll throw so, a wrench at you. We joke that we have so many veterans in the X-Wing community, yet we're all completely terrible. <laughs> we are all the most broke down and broken of all of us. Uh, mm. Except for Marcel. Marcel's still in great shape. Mm. Stupid young Marcel. I say young. Marcel's... You know, okay, hold on here. Side At this point, we just need to list the age of every podcaster for the rest of the season. We could, but does anybody, you know, we've all met Marcel. Does anybody have any idea if you meet him how old he is? You don't. Never, He's in that kind of weird health that, that old. he could be like mid-30s and spry or mid-20s and really, really tired. You don't know. Him, I guess, but I lost the ability to tell what age people were like eight years ago. Everyone's either 14 or 40. I can't tell. <laughs> That never goes away, by the way. Uh, Well, with the banter out of the way, we've got our topic that we're going to talk about today, which kind of relates a little bit to Doug's list and uh, some of the benefits. Action economy. That's a term you hear folks talk about a lot in uh, talking about X-Wing strategy, but it can get kind of jargony. So really the first question with action economy is something that it's very easy to fall into a trap of, of like, Evaluating it incorrectly, like identifying a list strength based on action economy, isn't right. Right, and that's one of the things we're going to go over here. Uh, and Doug, since your list really, and you tend to prefer lists that value this as a strategy, but not, yeah, you you treat it as a, the resource it is. Uh, how would you define action economy as the terms currently used? Uh, I mean, how people use it is like. I don't know. I don't like this phrase, honestly, because people, the most, I've most commonly seen people use it is like the number of actions you're taking, like per ship, per turn, or whatever. So, like, my supernaturalist is ridiculous because Kylo usually gets three actions a turn, two repositions, and then a token. Uh, because he'll supernatural a reposition and then move and then do a token and a reposition or a double reposition and move, yada, yada, yada. And then mm-hmm. Bonrex the same way because of Afterburners. He can, move fast, afterburners, use a ship ability to barrel or target lock, and then take another action. Um, so, like, those two ships are getting six actions a turn, so the action economy, in quotes, is very high. Um, the problem I, I have with this is that a lot of people try to translate that to more actions equals better list, which is not true. 
if I, I because yeah, linked actions are out there. I mean, if I can cut in real quick, yeah. like action economy is one quote unquote action economy is one facet of a list. Um, just like the number of health or the number of attack dice. It's there's no one way, one factor to uh, evaluate an X-wing list. You have to look at lists holistically, in my opinion. So right. Think- effective action economy which is kind of a weird term but like i think that's would be a better way to define it like um for example the bella bab has focus linked into boost and barrel roll which is a it's that's those are good linked actions but the bella bab's blues are terrible so you're not actually yeah. effectively using those linked actions very often otherwise you actually handicap yourself because your dial so limited but compare that to something like the tie interceptor or the silencer which have amazing blues and being able to link any action into a boost or barrel roll is incredibly good there's also like uh, especially with repositions being your linked actions uh initiative particularly in context of the list you're playing against is really important like Mm -hmm. uh so generic like i1 silencers or interceptors can be really effective with their linked actions because they can block really well uh, on the other hand, they can be pretty useless actions because you can't use them to arc dodge, and those are very fragile chassis. And so the like the context of how you're using it is really important, rather than just saying this ship is good because it has auto thrusters. And yeah, that and that's exactly the point. They're all contextual. Uh, one of the other examples, because we mentioned double reposition, is incredibly good for arc dodging. The best defense is not being shot at. But at the same time, we've seen you with Von Reg and a number of times being willing to take a strain to take a target lock and then for your action focus so you have a fully modified shot, usually at range one and ideally out of arc, which is possibly one of the most efficient double actions you can take is focus target lock. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If you can uh, if you can frequently get double modded shots, then that action economy is worth a ton. Yeah. <laughs> Getting max hits is a really effective way to win games. But in a similar way, now you have the the fine-tuned is it fine-tuned thrusters? Fine uh fine-tuned controls. Fine-tuned controls, yes. That is the tie baron ability that lets you take a strainer deplete to target lock or a barrel roll. However, target lock focus, let's say you are Obi-Wan Kenobi and you just target lock. You've got three force, which is mathematically equivalent to a focus most of the time. Is that the same thing as action economy there? Having that much force always available? I I mean, yes. That's why I don't love action economy, because it's so all-encompassing. But yes, like that's essentially the equivalent of a focus uh, in terms of how it's effectively being used. So at the same time, uh, you mentioned uh, high and low initiatives. Ship count. One of the things that I've abused since it came out has been XX23 thread tracers because that is anywhere from six to eight free target locks if it hits. Yes, it does require spending one of your two charges. You have to have focused or target locked that round and you have to land a three die attack, but the follow-on benefits can be huge. That's great economy if you're able to effectively let seven other ships take a free action even if they're stressed because it's a choir target lock that's incredibly economy right there and that's probably the outlier but there are a lot of other examples as well uh so thread tracers are very very good but again it's in context so like even if you could take thread tracer well okay Thread Tracer is really good, but they take up an attack, which means they get more effective the worse your ship's attack normally is. So mm-hmm. in context of a swarm, they're really good because like a sick throwing a two die just focused shot is probably going to miss most of the time. Whereas that three die shot, even though that shot doesn't do damage, it enables the rest of your shots to, to be a lot more empowered. But if you take a three ship list, tread, Thread Tracers are borderline useless because losing that attack is is so much more valuable. Absolutely. With 4X2Z, I'm giving up two out of 16 dice of attacks to suddenly have the remaining 14 dice be double modded in an ideal situation. And that's incredible efficiency and good economy right there. I am spending one unit of thing to get multiple bonuses. And that's really what I think the term means, not just taking actions, but you are like with uh, with auto thrusters. You are taking a stress 
to get an extra action. Really, that's a one-for-one, one, you know, exchange there. Uh, obviously, on those two ships, it's not a big cost because the good blues mean you can clear that stress easily. A lot of ships, and you gave the Bell Blab as an example. It's got a great linked action choice, but the way you recover for it is proportionally much more harmful because it makes you much more predictable the next turn. Like the Melobab and like X Wings and stuff with their linked actions. Like it does they're not bad to have. You just have to you can't mindlessly duh, do the linked action every turn. Like someone can with an interceptor or a silencer. Like you have to actually plan around it because you have the more limited blues. But it's definitely useful to have those uh, boost into focus is great for a blocker because you're still probably going to shoot or get shot at, but you can still get the block and have a mod. Mm-hmm. Uh Another example that's been, you know, in the same vein as thread tracers, false transponder codes. It's a one-use thing, and you don't always have control of it, but effectively linking a target lock into a free range 3 jam can be really good in the right context. The reason why I don't think people often think of that as action economy is because your opponent can choose when it gets used, uh, but it's still effectively, hey, I got a free jam off. Free is always good, even if it's just one charge. Also, two-point jam. But yeah, I get what you're saying. And uh, I do agree. I don't know if I would necessarily quote-unquote call this action economy, though. Like, all cards allow you to break the rules um, of the game in a specific way. And, like, something that does something like this, I'm not sure I'd call it action economy, but I do agree with you. And, Doug, you pointed out right off the bat that it's not necessarily something that's going to overpower a game. A great example is what I think is the game's, one of the game's best free action generators in Lando Calrissian in the Rebel Falcon. Uh, anytime he completes a blue maneuver, gets a free action. You put Nian Num on him and most of his maneuvers are blue. But yet as good an idea in concept as that is, the fact that that means you've now spent a lot of points on that particular gimmick with the ship, you have an expensive ship, and that means you don't have a whole lot of room left in your list to exploit that. So exactly what you said, it's got to be in context. Uh, an example of a bad choice was when I took Soontir Fell and Four Inquisitors to a tournament, thinking, oh, look at all these free actions I get to take. I've got Force. I've got great linked actions. I've got Soontir Fell. And I didn't have the grasp of how to use all that properly in context. And I got absolutely just steamrolled because of it. Because I put all my eggs in that basket of action economy is good, but not in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the Lando example is is a perfect example of action economy be, being a trap. Not that Lando is bad, but like you have to think of his ability as like a bonus, not as something you're building around. Uh, on the other side, you have things like Hera, which are so efficient that they essentially make everything better just by existing. Right, and Hera with the Rebel Focus passing, like you can get in Kyle Katarn, Garvin Dreiss, uh even uh, Dutch Vander. All that, that can just be tossing target locks and focuses, and if you've got Jyn Erso, free evades... Uh, it's but been really good. What makes Hera so much better than all of them is she is guaranteed to be effective action economy. She, yeah, she is only used when she's needed. Exactly. Like, so you you never waste points with Hera because even if you don't use her ability, she's still an I six eight wing. She is worth her forty two points as a base chassis, and then her ability is amazing on top of it. Um, whereas you have things like Garvin Dreis that has picked up a lot of, a lot of popularity, even though I think he's still a trap. Uh, he is actually really bad effective action economy because you either have to roll an eye on offense and then be willing to spend it and lose it for defense, or you have to roll the eye on defense. Like there, there are plenty of situations where Garvin's ability just doesn't trigger, especially when you need it to. But when, when you have Hera, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that is, that no, is that's funny. a Hera thing. Not a Garvin thing. True, true, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah okay. That, Although I will say uh, in the XTC Discord, somebody pointed out a really stupid interaction I never thought of. If you have Garvin, Hera, and Jyn Erso in a list, 
and you roll I blank with Garvin, you can get two evades. Because you spend the focus, give the focus to Hera. Hera gives it back, which converts it into an evade, and then he spends the evade for two. Mm-hmm. Which is... Oh my time. god, that's so dumb. It's going in the list of banned topics that we'll never talk about. <laughs> That's so gross. That's, That's like really discovering like, that double reinforced like, works. I don't know why it's legal, but it is. The Ugh. point is, as it came up in the last time we talked about this, don't shoot at Garvin in that list. Yeah, Literally anybody but Garvin. That's the thing. is, In a list engineered to make Garvin as effective as possible, you can just not shoot him, and it doesn't matter. Like, right. But anyway, uh, the main point is that Hera, I think, is the penultimate like if you want action economy action economy action economy to be a strength in your list you should staple Harris and Duel to it. Right. Well, another example of a ship that I don't think is good cuz my first question was going to be why haven't people put this in their list and then I realized it's not that great uh would be Asegi Tuketu in the K-wing mm-hmm. who and I think one of the reasons that he's an initiative 3 K-wing for 44 points but that ability that when a friendly ship at range 0 to 2 defends or performs an attack, it may spend your focus tokens as if that ship has them. So, kind of a Hera-like ability. It's like they saw Eskigi's ability. It's like, what if we made it better? And An initiative there. 6 on a better chassis. Yeah, what like, if we broke it? They are, like, he's one of those ships that has a really solid ability on a terrible ship for it. Like, Eskigi yes. wants to be a Z-95 pilot. <laughs> is the most expensive of the K-Wings and pretty much yep. the concept of co-pilot to be useful and yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there are ships with amazing action economy or even amazing act- effective action economy that just aren't good because they're bad ships. Now, here's the funny thing. With the same ability in 1.0, he was 28 points, which is an equivalent 56. Yeah, but look that at... That just seems ridiculous. Look at everything. Like, I mean, yeah, everything's everything. cheaper. Well, they 1.0. made K-Wings quite Bosk costs 31.0 points right now. That's ridiculous. The small base on K-Wings is also a huge buff compared to the medium base. Yeah, they're one of the few ships that didn't improve by becoming a medium base, I think. I mean... Mostly... The- Biggest yeah. thing is Miranda had a fair pilot ability instead of a busted one, and yeah. we don't have twin laser turret anymore. Not yet. Well, I think you speak that evil into this. <laughs> well, here's another good thing: action economy is a thing. Attack economy is also another thing that got brought up, uh, where the the Scumru Goldberg list that's based around getting all those extra attacks with uh, Jostero and doing those kind of things. Uh, snapshot is a way to get free action, uh, free attacks. Uh, Dengar, Corinhorn, uh, any you know, quick draw things that give you bonus attacks are on the on the surface. You'd think, hey, more red dice, always good. But there's another case of trying to build lists around that gimmick is almost never going to pan out explicitly for you. Corrin Horn has seen almost no success in 2.0 so far. A lot of that is that uh, modifiers are what's really important for the extra attacks to be relevant. Yeah, like first edition passive mods, full passive mods for everybody. That's why yeah. all those attacks were so insane. In second edition, it's hard enough fully modifying one attack. Uh, mm. to, to bring up a counter to your point, Zam Wessel exists, and she's... That's... And she's yeah, that, that's the possibly one that's the most under-costed thing in the uh, game right uh, now. There are definitely, like, Tracers and Zam are definitely things that are under-costed, and for sure. Uh, but with the exception of Zam, Quickdraw has a really hard time modding, double-modding one of his attacks, let alone two. Uh, Dengar mm-hmm. has more usefulness because he has the extra slots, basically, including the Zam slot. But, uh, I mean, those are, the thing is, most of those pilots with built-in bonus tech abilities are good because the ship they're on is usable. And the ones that are on bad ships are still bad. Right. Horn Horn is basically, you're you're paying for an I-5 E-Wing. Yeah. And, and uh, if he gets that bullseye I-0 attack... And you're paying a huge premium over the I-4 generic E-Wings that are super cheap. Yeah. So that's a thing where getting more of any one thing might seem like a great idea, but it isn't always going to do that. Uh, One of the things, for example, was the idea of running, uh, I think you can actually fit eight mining guild ties with Marge Sable closure. 
with the idea of I'm just going to run over asteroids and jam you. And then what? That's, you know, a you've, you've got to have some kind of follow on. So action economy is great if those are useful actions. Uh, there were times like at the end of your game this week, Doug, where Von Reg got into the scrum and couldn't make use of double repositioning in certain positions. That you know, is going to happen because of the decisions you made to go into there. But you can't count on it always being super efficient all the time. Uh, the Inquisitor is a great example of that. While you can have, hey, I've got a target lock and a force available to me all the time, or an evade and a force for defense, it's not always going to pan out for you. And when it doesn't, sometimes it just takes one roll of the dice and everything can go wrong. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is that, uh, like Smittle said earlier, like action economy is useful, but you should not base a list around it. Um, and while it looks like my list is purely based around action economy, what it's really based around is the specific action economy of being able to reposition before I move or after I move at a high initiative with a points fortress. Like it's it's abusing the extreme of that mechanic. And on that specifically, uh, the the cost is one of the things you've put 121 points into Kylo to do all that. Do you think that's an appropriate cost for everything he can do? Um. Yes, I guess. Uh, like, so the reason that this list is really good in XTC is because we get we have a say in what I play against every round. Like, I don't get <laughs> exactly what list, but. I get usually in uh, between two choices. Um, so that list becomes significantly better whenever I can pair myself into things that that is strong against. Uh, I, I I wouldn't venture to call it balanced. Well, I wouldn't venture to call it healthy. It is probably balanced for a tournament setting because you can hit things that you're just bad against and then you don't. Like you're, you invested so many points in being good at something that when that's taken away, you pretty much auto lose. But okay. it's not for the game because uh, it's a very first edition style list in that uh, the game is decided in the list building phase much more frequently than other lists in second edition. Okay. Game design perspective, you want to avoid games being decided in the list building phase. Yeah. Like, yeah. XTC is a bit of an outlier because of how that specifically the the pick what you fight is a factor yeah exactly right now, structure for the tournament by the way i imagine it works a lot smoother in the in-person constantly chaotic uh nature of it but it seems to be going pretty quickly and smoothly now that everybody's uh got rolling you guys are uh I mean, God, it seems like, Doug, your games have started going rapid fire now. I mean, it's one a week. Is what it is. Yeah. But, yeah. It, it seems like it's going a lot faster than that. Man, time just but flies. Time man. is both fast and slow these days. So, But it does, like, it's crazy how they're halfway done with the, the quote-unquote Swiss phase already. Mm -hmm. Now, so what other, when we talk about action economy, what other ideas are there out there or you know what other examples do we have of efficiency of you know hey i'm going to expend one resource and get multiple results out of it that are seeing we're seeing bonuses out of or we are we saw played at some point that we aren't anymore or that are just too expensive uh one of the examples somebody said was independent calculations you're you're spending a stress to get a second calculate which makes the limitations of calculate better, but effectively what you have is a red focus action mathematically, yeah, and I mean, worse, you're paying four focus. points for it. Yeah, uh, I mean, the real problem with network or with independent calculations is you lose network calculations. Um, so things with independent or network calculations in general are pseudo action economy. They are essentially action economy because whenever you have something like six or seven vulture droids that all have a single calculate, uh, the chances of every vulture droid needing its calculate in a turn is very low. Uh, so the ability to share tokens essentially generates action economy. Um, network calculations essentially takes away 
that flexibility to make yourself a little bit better. I mean, it's a bad card, especially at four points. It's, yeah. in my opinion, questionable at one point. <laughs> um, well, if the Tri-Fighters came down and then it existed at like one or two points, then it would make a Tri-Fighter or two more viable in a list uh, alongside something else. But yeah, as it stands, it's garbage. Yeah, we were discussing this in my uh, our local league game last week against uh, Armada World Champion John Reinig, who was flying a uh, Tri-Fighter, the Flak Arfok prototype, with the independent calculations. And yeah, it's got some dial on it to clear that red, but at the same time, you're taking a... Well, what he was doing was he also had advanced sensors on it, so he was taking the double calculate before he moved. And then having no action because he used advanced sensors, it was just ten points of anti-blocking tech, I guess. But well, I mean, the advanced sensors is that's it's super light. Like you can use it in context of being able to reposition to avoid things as well. Right, which I think he realized he could do after I put two damage into it already. But the the idea that you are. Uh, is it yeah c3po crew does the same thing hey when you take a calculate get another calculate well that's good but why wouldn't i just take a focus is more of the question uh rebel c3po well rebel c3po's ability that uses calculates to focus it or uh doesn't resistance c3po no he's got the weird coordinate uh thing like igd uh, igd was super popular on boba fett in the beginning, mm-hmm. because mathematically, two calculates is more flexible than a focus, and yeah, you can use them on two different things. Yeah, like that's the thing. That's the reason why to, to take two calculates for no stress, like with the C three PO. Yeah, and he's five points cheaper than uh, perceptive copilot, for right, example. And yeah, and it's obviously two calculates is worse than two focuses, but it is more flexible than one focus, and like obviously that, that has fallen out of favor as new non double calculate cards have come out that use crew slots more effectively, but there was definitely a place for those previously. And also that uh, Boba Fett no longer has a crew slot. I think also the big thing is the double calculate is a lot more useful on ships that aren't both three attack and three agility. Um, because being a three, three, you're going to burn through. I results a lot faster. Um, so like Boba Fett was good because he only had two defense dice and had Boba Fett rerolls, which means it was very frequent. He only had to modify one eye result. So then he still got to save a calculate for offense, things like that. Um, whereas things like the the tri fighter, they need both those calculates in the same attack or defense a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's red, which is, or you get a stress to get the second one, whatever it is. It's a lot worse than IGD, and it's more expensive. It's a bad card. It's just a bad card. Ruth, uh, something <laughs> faction though that you were talking about that is a example of good action economy would be ensnare on Nantex. Uh, so. The Nantech's ability to track to themselves to reposition is essentially a auto thruster like mod, like or auto thruster like ability. You are getting to do a free reposition, and then ensnare takes away not only takes away the negative part of it, but then actually, in a way, gives you another action by repositioning an enemy ship, uh, which is way more powerful. Yeah, and reducing their agility, and yeah. possibly throwing them on an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's another card that probably shouldn't have been designed because uh, it's not cool to play. Well, against. you bring you bring that up, and uh, this being another card like Supernatural that you've seen great success with, and that has been priced into the stratosphere almost in an attempt to say, "Hey, don't play this anymore." And yet, is it? Are is that kind of action economy that powerful that it needs to be twenty five plus points? Well, um, it's twenty four for. The I6. Uh, also, Sunfock with Ensnare is cheaper than he was when I did well with it in the past, but that's not yeah. the point. The point gets... is, yeah, it's still worth it. Um, <laughs> like, he gets tracers on his droids now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. You're saying that after the Ensnare upgrade, Sunfock with Ensnare is somehow... Did Sunfock go down in points that much? All of the Nantex went down whenever Ensnare went up. Wow. Uh... So they went down when they went to spam text price, and I don't think the generic or I don't think yeah, the, uh, the name limited ones went back up. It was only the generics. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that list in particular, the Sunfox Plus 6, is in a little bit of a weird spot right now because uh, most jousting lists are all higher initiative than vulture droids, and vulture droids really don't like hitting other jousting lists to shoot first. Um, hey, vultures. But, Sorry. Sunfox in general, and all ensnared techs, I think, are still perfectly fine. They just have never been super popular for whatever reason. I'm not complaining because they're not fun to play against. Agreed. You were saying something. I was gonna say like the the droid swarm is an interesting swarm archetype because they're the anti ace swarm as opposed to the out jousting swarm. I just think they're really neat in that regard. But mm -hmm. that's kind of off topic. All right. Well, you mentioned swarms and anti acing and whatnot. Uh, there's an argument that aces have to be ships with that kind of action economy. The argument wedge Antilles is not an ace, for example. Uh, is that is that a good uh, assumption to make, or it has to do with more than action economy? I think you have to look at the ship holistically. I I'm gonna be a big proponent of looking at stuff as its whole, as opposed to the sum of its parts kind of thing. But uh, wedge isn't an ace because wedge can't do what aces do. Wedge can't reliably close the game against three ships. Yeah, I mean, okay. the X and K has tried to define ace for a really long time, but. In general, it's kind of a you, you know it when you see it. And uh, to Smittle's point, an ace is something that can reliably beat other stuff in an in-game state. And Wedge can't really do that. Like, reliably beat most other things in an in-game yeah, state. Like, say. have a chance to win against most other combinations of ships you can see on the end game of on the table in the end game of the game. But not all aces have super great action economy. Um, a defender, I mean, that's he has. Never mind. Might take it back. <laughs> I was going to start with phantoms. I was like, no, they have that free evade. And then I was like, Vader defender. No, he has free everything. Fenrao is a good example. Fenrao is a good example. Have great action economy. Like Fen's entire shtick is that he is overcosted everywhere except for range one, where he's undercosted, uh, just by virtue of his ability and the chassis ability. Like he uh, he goes from being very bad for his points to ridiculously good for his points based on where he is in relation to everything else. Um, so what you're saying is, Fenrau, if you kill Fenrau at range one, you should get an extra five points or so. And probably more. You, yeah. As, <laughs> like you, so, range two Fenrau is worth about thirty points. <laughs> true. <laughs> And so you gotta take those thirty-eight points that he caught and add them to sixty-eight to like was that one oh one oh one oh six? Yeah. There you go. I mean, I think realistically, Fen is actually closer to Wedge than he is to traditional. He tr he truly is. I especially second Fen. Yeah, I full I one hundred percent agree with that. To be honest, he's better in the in-game uh, terminology because he does so much damage and is so immune to damage range one that he can just beat other things. But in terms of how he plays, he's much more similar to Wedge. Uh, I had to check. There is actually physically no way you can get Fenrau up to 100 points. No, he doesn't have enough slots. No, you can only get him up to 94. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, so, I definitely agree. As a lover of Fenrau and one who plays him often, he is more of a high-initiative jouster than an ace. So, okay. So would Poe be considered a true ace? I would consider poetry. Well, the original Poe, not the Herald's Poe. Po. Yeah, I would right. actually consider uh, original Poe to be the epitome of balance. Yeah, yep. agreed. Uh, tied closely with Bonerig, I think, and it's both of them for very similar reasons, and it's that they have actual consequences yeah. while doing stuff really well. Poe being that he's extremely mortal. He takes damage like crazy. Yep. Uh, and generally has to choose to either be offensive or evasive, and not both. And so they... uh, he is like what aces should be. I think so. Which he is I, I hated when he came out because he just had pushed the limit. Push the limit, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but it turns out but whenever still the two, it's, it's the two agility, yeah. and he can't take infinite regen like he could in first edition, which took a oh, while to yeah. get to. Um, yeah. Right, and with Vonreg, you are in the same way. You're choosing to be offensive or defensive. Quite because, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing with you is, are taking you know, six green dice and never shooting, or. Vonerig's thing is he's, he's it takes it to the extreme of like there are such hard consequences to making the wrong decision that he can be really bad. Uh, so you have to make the correct choice all the time, or he's a very overcosted ship. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a number of times when you're thinking, okay, do I want to take a strain for a target lock here, guessing that I'm out of arc? And you're like, okay, well, if I'm in arc and I spend my focus, then I'm dead. Spoilies so, about Rig. If there's ever a question, take the deplete and upgrade. Yeah. So one thing I've uh, I see people question a lot is uh, if I'm in arc of something, I will take a deplete to target lock and then like take a defensive token, and then I'll still still spend the target lock on offense. And I only do that because a modded two die shot is better than an unmodded three die shot, like almost all of the time. And uh, I'm just taking the deplete just cause like. <laughs> make the argument that I should just focus there and then just not worry about my offensive shot. Um, ah, you shoot with the deplete, it clears itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the point is, is that uh, if Von Rex getting shot at, it is almost never the correct call to take the strain. Um, Even range three, like through a cloud, maybe then I consider it. But like, yeah. if there's any question, you should you should play it safe with aces. <laughs> yeah. um, you had a moment though where you were range one of a one health enemy ship in that game, and you said, I'm going to take the strain to target lock focus, and everybody just immediately went pucker factor. Because you're like, he could miss I mean, yeah, and that's be a, absolutely out there. A, I chose to take the risk there because mathematically it was correct. Like, I, it mm -hmm. could have backfired, but... Indeed. And, uh, like, sometimes you have to you have to do that. Like, sometimes... And obviously in that scenario is different, but like sometimes you're eating two range one shots from X-Wings and you're like, well, I just got to focus lock and hope I can kill one kind of thing because defense isn't going to help you. Like Which, uh, we could talk, we could talk for episodes about ace flying theory too. Yeah. Like uh, on the other yeah. side of my list though, you have the exact opposite of best aces in the game, which is the worst ace in the game, which is supernatural Kylo. Uh, because, wow. Uh, the trick with Kylo is that your choices aren't actually meaningful because you're just reacting to everything. Like you just have to dial in a generally good move and figure it out later. And I mean that pretty literally. Like it takes yeah. it takes fifteen to twenty games to get used to, to, to thinking about it that way. But once it clicks, that's that's what I do ninety percent of the time. Is I just dial in the generically decent move and figure it out later. Yeah, isn't it that with uh, Kylo, you can just dial in a a two bank. And be like, all right, well, I'm going to be wherever I want to be, regardless. So yep. you know, either you've dodged everything or... Yeah. And there's uh, the, the adage of when in doubt, five straight out. And it's even more correct with Kylo because it's actually when in doubt, boost or barrel roll or boost and barrel roll and then five straight out. Or five straight out and then boost or five straight out and then barrel roll. And like, there's so many options every single turn that it's, it's very hard to put yourself in a no-win scenario. So, right. Uh, last turn of your game against Chile. Either one of his two surviving ships had the potential to kill Kylo and go up on points, but since you moved last, you just had to dial in a five straight and be like, either way, I'm going to do a five straight barrel roll boost or barrel roll boost five straight and not get shot. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, he's the opposite of Poe and Vonry because there there aren't healthy interactions against Kylo. Either you have something that can beat him, or you're going to have a miserable time, and there's very, very little in between. Yeah, when you said that, when you said that, I took it as that he is not the best ace. What you like, said? He, Unless you were oh, joking, he is I, the best. Ace. Yeah, I know, but he's like in the way that Doug said it. It was like I, maybe you're being sarcastic. I meant worse, healthy for the game. Oh, okay, right. okay, okay, okay. See, when you said that, I was like, wait, what? But. So when I watched your game, I was trying to, because this whole, like, do a generic move, you know, nice, simple move. I was trying to, like, figure out if I could think like you. And I only got it, like, 30% of the time, even though it was a simple move. Um, right. But also, you see those combinations, like, it's going out of style. I remember in 1.0, when, I think it was in Omaha, and you put Hilo... Uh, so what, back then it would have been Advanced Sensors, Prime Thrusters, Kylo. So very similar. Yeah, so it, yeah. You put him, like, maybe an inch and a half from the board edge. And, like, facing the board edge. Maybe two yes. inches. And you knew what you were doing. You did it so quick that you didn't even think past, I already knew what I was going to do. And you just did it. And then you ended up there. And I was like, oh my god, what is he doing? And then obviously the next turn, you, like, Barrel roll, roll one hard back, and then you did a, like a one hard or something like that, and you like boosted in and you got a shot. 
And it was just so absurd that you can see all of those combos. Like, I don't know. It's just crazy. Uh, it's pretty special. Yeah. I, I mean, right. a lot of it is I played Echo for, I don't know, like four years before Kylo came out, which, uh, so I had a lot of, of practice with the preposition, like location. Uh, what am I looking? What's the word I'm looking for? Like spatial recognition, I guess. Um, right. But I think in general anybody can learn that. Like that is the part that takes practice. Like that's why it isn't super easy to just pick up and play Kylo. But once you get the hang of it, it is not a very interactive ship. Well, uh, one of the things you just said there, Doug, especially about the non-interactive bit, uh, and this is going to sound like a tangent, but trust me, it's not. Has any of you played uh, Final Fantasy Twelve? Negatory. Okay, so as a party-based RPG, the way it was, you controlled one player, and you could basically set up gambits for your other party members, which were something like, if someone goes below 33% health, then cast heal, or if a target has a debuff on it, then use strongest attack. It was like a flowchart of actions you could pre-program them to take. It's almost like you could design that for Supernatural-primed Kylo, where it's, if ship in arc with three dice then barrel roll left and two bang type things you could pretty much uh completely just have a little like options wheel that depending on what your opponent does you kylo's always made the right choice i would agree for like 90 percent of moves that's the case uh i also want to ask do you find yourself uh, uh four star a lot um, no, but I think that comes with practice. Uh, if you watch, I will just like leave bad shots unmodified, even if I have mods most of the time. Um, like it's just recognizing when you should spend force and when you should just let it go. Um, right. I have a lot of games where I just don't do damage for a long period of time because my dice are a little cold and I'm not going to put myself in a bad spot to maybe get a damage through sort of thing. I was going to say that too, but then I felt kind of silly, but no, I'll say it. Um, I was going to ask if, because it's pre-position, Kylo, so theoretically you could spend your force, do two moves, and then you move again. I know you get your other action, but there might be times where just because you can reposition a whole lot doesn't mean that you're getting the exact shot that you want. I would imagine that the double reposition is probably so that you don't get shot, right? Like, I, I guess it would go both ways, but I would... And I go back to the last game that you played because it was it was quite crazy. Um, and it was you didn't shoot with Von Reg for like the first twenty or thirty minutes. I think it was long. Fifty yeah. minutes, yeah. Was it? Fifty wow. minutes. Yeah. Before so Kyla literally had to do all of those half points. Like, and I mean, and if nobody watched to the game, fair, go watch fair, the game in. because the first shot of the game. <laughs> is absolutely hilarious and incredible and infuriating as any other player other than an ace player. Like, I felt his pain so bad. So much. Oh, so many Fs in the Twitch chat. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, so I guess... One single shot. I guess with those proton torpedoes, you do kind of... You get, like, spurts of damage. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. and... uh... Again, like I put those in there because it's uh, it's not just a random Swiss tournament. Like I get to pick my matchups a lot more, so I still have like a twelve point bid, but I don't need it. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need a bid. You don't need a twenty four point bid. Right. No yeah. one's flying Boba Guri. Yeah. Like um, if that if I were to take that list to a random like a, a regular tournament with a random Swiss, I would probably still put a munition on them, but it wouldn't be proton torpedoes. It'd probably be like rockets or something cheaper to have a deeper bid. Um, so. Okay, I just had these questions like that I've been gathering as we've been talking about. So if I were to take this list of yours and mm-hmm. train with it, practice, because I don't fly aces ever. So like I'm not good at aces. Do you think if somebody picked this list up and they trained with it that they would become better or worse because of supernatural kinda? You mean like at the game as a whole? Uh as an ace player. Like uh, worse because it's. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say easy mode because it's not. It's reactive mode rather than. Yeah, it's it's the, the yeah the, the right, yeah. Mode. yeah. So no, it's definitely worse. Um, because I played almost exclusively advanced sensors push Kylo for the last like nine months of 1.0, and then 
I I was dramatically worse at second edition playing second edition aces than I was at first edition aces because I was so used to just reacting to everything. I pretty much had to relearn how to play good. Gotcha. And as an example, for example, the only initiative six pilots I've played in 2.0 have been Wedge, who, as we've explained, is not an ace. He's just a shoot first brawler. And Soontir, which I'm okay with Soontir, but a lot of that is because I want to brawl with Soontir. That's always bad. It's not the same. It's because even with Soontir, you have to pre-position in your mind where you're going to be. So he has no way, even with uh, sensitive controls, because that's system phase, he has no way to pre-react in that supernatural manner. Uh, Supernatural Vader can't even do what Kylo can do because he can't boost before a roll. Well, he can, but it'll take the, uh, is it taking damage yeah. from it? Yeah. So you, you pay for it, and Vader is less tanky than Kylo for that. Uh, but at the same time, you have, ah, it's ace play, exactly what you're saying, requires a different mindset where, we use the term ice in your veins all the time because you have to be willing to take the the gutsy move and know when the right time for that gutsy move is. Uh, you know, in your game, Doug, when you decided you were going to turn in and get aggressive with Von Reg, it was a gamble of, is this the right time? Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. You, uh, a good ace player, you're one of them, you know, not the only one, a good ace player knows when that is the right time. But even still, the best ace players can get caught off guard because it will always be a gamble. And part of a gamble is the acknowledgement that you could lose. Uh, our league game where you were flying Kylo Blackout Von Reg, and you did the, th the same thing. You turned in with Von Reg. Assuming that, oh, Matt knows better than to chase me, and I turned everything in, and you were like, oh, oh, I made the wrong call there, because sometimes that happens. And you've got to be, to be a good ace player, I think you just have to do that enough times to get the math right in your head about when is this likely to be the best choice, and still be humble enough, I guess, to acknowledge that sometimes it's not going to be, and as an ace, you're often fragile enough where one mis one miscalculation can just be there. I go. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I think I'm not a good ace player is because if I make a mistake and it costs me like the key piece of my list, I go on tilt. I I've got to learn how to not let that kind of setback just wreck me. And I've seen, and that's the thing I love about playing against you know. Actually, all three of you, in a way, because uh, it hasn't happened against Greg because I'm never able to take out Greg's star piece. Mm -hmm. But the idea that I've played against Alex and managed to one-shot Fen and still had Alex come back and kick my teeth in with the remainder of his list. Man, that was an uh, insane game. Like, yeah, it was oh. indeed. <laughs> you know, but in the same way, uh, I've probably played against Doug more than the other two of you. And... Same. I have managed to get lucky shots in there, and yeah, it always sucks when you're like, oh, I made the wrong call and I paid for it, but a good ace player knows, all right, how am I going to make up for this with the rest of my list? So the problem, I think, with using Supernatural Kylo plus Von Reg or any other ship as a learning list is that that is a much, much, much harder list to come back from losing a ship with. Uh, I, I mean, I think you you can lose Von Reg yeah. and still cheat with Kylo, but if something happens and you lose Kylo and your list with Von Reg on my lonesome, like the the trick with that is, uh, it's it's a one ship list. You just have to have two ships. Like, plus <laughs> 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 the nice distraction is helpful. <laughs> yeah, like, um, and I mean, like, I pick Von Reg because he's I six, which means he can protect the thing that Kylo's bad against, which is other I sixes. Um. <laughs> And funny thing is, I noticed something, but I'm going to mention it offline in case some other XDC people might listen to this podcast, because I think I picked out part of the strategy with it. Uh, I'm going to make a note to save this for after the XTC tournament and I mean, see I'm if I'm right. Uh, but a two-ship list, something you did was, it's that Von Reg for you is basically Bates, 
and it depends on how well your opponent bites on it. I can't think of many other two-ship lists where you are willing to commit one of your ace ships to just not engaging for the majority of the game. I mean, there's the scum version versus Fengory. Um Oh, there you just want neither of your ships to. Yeah, I mean, that one's a little different because Fen either wants to be not shattered at all or he wants to be range one brawling. Which means uh, he runs a lot in a two ship yeah, list. Um, mm-hmm. But he is probably a little more interactive uh, than like how I play Monrig. Um, Indeed. I mean, like, Jake Han, whenever that was a thing, mm-hmm. is pretty close to it because, like, even if Jake is shooting, he's not really doing anything. He's mostly just enabling Han and. It's a very similar list where it's really a one-ship list. You just have to have a second ship, so you pick Jake. Um, only now you pick Hera or Ahsoka, and it's way better, but that's not the point. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, we have gone over uh, action economy in all its forms, so I think hopefully this will give people who've heard the jargon about it a bit more of an example of what's being talked about and how it's really not the end-all, be-all of list efficiency. As well, uh, we got a spontaneous uh, clinic in uh, ace strategy from Doug. And thank you for sharing that, Doug. I know it uh, kind of often might seem a little counterproductive with while you're in a major tournament uh, talking about how your list works. But I know our readers definitely will appreciate it. Uh, and, like, I'm not trying to be cocky, but I genuinely don't think it matters with Kyle. <laughs> uh like, he's just not, like, when I say uninteractive, I, I'm being 100% truthful. Like, I, I don't think that there is a balanced state for Supernatural Kylo where you are, like, you have even matchups. I think you are either heavily favored or heavily the underdog, and there isn't really an in-between. Um, and that's, like, that's head-simming, like, perfect play. Obviously, I can make mistakes, or dice can swing very hard in one direction, or whatever. But uh, in general, I think the way Supernatural Reflexes is designed, it does not allow you to have a balanced game state. You're saying he's the X-Wing equivalent of that I'm just built different meme. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> he is just built different. I mean, there's one other, like, Advanced Sensor's Gory is, like, the only thing that's close. Uh, but she can also return like a scrub, so who cares? It's not fair. Scum, re. <laughs> advanced Sensor's downwind. I want a Gory who isn't tied to Advanced Sensor so bad. Uh, and that that that's a discussion for a whole nother day. The idea of what ships have mandatory upgrades stapled to them. There is to price yeah. her so that she's good without advanced sensors, and just bring advanced sensors up because advanced sensors is very similar to supernatural reflexes. There aren't there aren't normal reasons to take advanced sensors. You don't just take advanced sensors because you don't want to get blocked. You take <laughs> it because it abuses something like. Uh, with Redline, it was abusing the fact that he could still acquire the locks, so you essentially got to be a medium base arc dodger. Uh, with Gori, it's with the funky barrel roll, so she's Kylo levels of difficult to pin down. Um, it's just, uh, it, I mean, it's yeah. better than the first edition version because you can't link off of it or anything at least, but uh, it's still a non interactive card. Advanced Sensors didn't see a whole lot of uh, play outside of Robots in first edition, to my recollection. Uh, Corin used it a lot. And sensors push Kylo. Yeah, I mean Kylo. Um, yeah. Uh, like yeah, Corn the the fatter Corn used it. There was like the thin fat Corn and the fat fat Corn and the fat fat Corn used it. When I started playing, actually, that's a great segue because what I have sitting here in front of me as I record this is a list I printed out dated. June 25th, 2016. Uh, As this goes live, that will probably be the day most people are listening to this. Uh, That was my first X-Wing tournament. It was two Punishers and a third ship. It was Redline, Death Rain, and Omega Ace. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I played you at that first tournament. uh, No, I played uh, Chris Shield and then uh, uh, my friend Matt that I came with and then uh, Jake Shield. I definitely played against uh, that list, though, because... Yeah, I I tried to make that list good, and uh, that was when I started coming, and I believe you guys were kind enough not to mock the list, but I just remember playing against our friend Jake, who is also uh, doing really well in our local league in his pod, uh, and Jake just looked at my list and said, first time? And I felt so seen at that moment, like, 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, those days. But yeah, we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of uh, my first X-Wing tournament. So, oh, uh, well, congrats! That's cool. Yeah, drink drinks for me. Uh, uh, we we know when Greg's first X-Wing tournament was because he nearly kicked both your teeth in. I say at the beginning of the month, I had my Facebook memories pop up with uh, Smittle doing well at our first ever regional, which was that was what seven, that was May six, of 2015. Yeah, so six years ago, and then I'd started six months wow. before that. So I'm I'm approaching my seven year anniversary. Wow, well, you guys didn't have that much more time ahead of me then. No, no. Not so, so you're saying you guys had only been playing for like a year and a half when I started playing? Yeah, but yeah. you hit us right uh, at the end of our casual and right as we started getting competitive. Yeah. <laughs> I have to oh. that, uh, for the first nine months, Smill and I would play like five days a week against each other. Like, Yeah, we put in 10 plus games a week every week. True, true. So there's something for our listeners. Uh, listeners, in the comments of this post on our social media, uh, talk about your memories of your first X-Wing tournament. How long has it been since you've been playing? And uh, we might go over that in uh, a future episode. But we have gone over, uh, again, our Ace Clinic and talking about action economy. Uh, what have we got coming up in the next uh, couple of days? Uh, there's a tournament this weekend, isn't there? Yeah, there's uh, is it Lamu? La- Lamu? I don't know. How Lamu? Talking. Yes. Uh, Lama, the, Lama, Lama. Uh, the hyperspace events, which I am playing in because I want to qualify. <laughs> Same. I'm, I I am thinking. I I know I'm probably just gonna do I'm it. Playing. Yeah, but What's at the same the time, time I'm like uh, Argentina, uh, which is two hours two hours ahead, ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a for seven a.m. start time. Seven a.m. play meeting. All right. Uh, I I can do that. I guess I can pretend I'm a morning person. Wait, I am a morning person. Awesome. I'm a morning person. Doug's the one who's not a morning person. I know. I that's why I love playing against Doug in the cut. (laughs) I do great against Doug in cuts. I like playing Uh, that. You beat me in one cut one time, Matt. (laughs) I've only had to play you in one cut one time. No, I beat you twice in cuts. One of them's even been streamed. That was back in 1.0, but that was my first time I ever beat you was in a cut of a local league. Oh. That was because you brought a weird experimental dash list to a a finals Because then we played the finals and I had brought a real list. And I won. Exactly. (laughs) I I, I was feeling all sorts of confident and then I'm like, oh no, Alex came to really play. Doug came to have fun. I brought (laughs) Palpies. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> i did not have fun at that one but uh so uh for those of you who are going to be playing at lamu this weekend hopefully we'll see you there uh greg unfortunately you are on uh, i believe catching up on a sleep deficit most likely this weekend uh i'm gonna try but that's still relative because i don't know when i wake up and i don't know when i go to sleep so it's it's a toss up it's a mystery of what my sleep schedule will be for the rest of my life yeah, welcome uh, to being a father of two. I will tell you how my life's going. I just went to the Dollar General and I bought diapers and monsters. <laughs> Sounds like parenthood. So that's exactly where I'm at. See, when you say, I know you mean monster toys, but I'm thinking diapers and monster energy I mean, drinks. I'm pretty sure you meant like, monster yeah. energy drinks, right? I did. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that, case, that, so sounds tired. Like that sounds like I'm settling in for, you know, a long X-Wing tournament. <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I'm not getting up between rounds <laughs> now we have the reputation as the diaper podcast oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, there you go station right. radio. boom I'm so Tushy in station. also it's not nice. the diaper cast it should be, that should be our porn parody cast <laughs> oh we're, 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 we're getting taken off the air at some point I just know it so before this goes completely into the toilet uh, any shout outs this week Father Bob Howe. Yep. And uh, also, congratulations to, was it your cousin who got married the other week? Yep, my cousin got married a couple weeks ago. Yeah, where your uh, your father Bob Howe got to officiate. That was really he nice. He was everyone's see. father Bob Howe on that day. That's true. That's yeah. the second time he has officiated a wedding. He's, uh, he's knocked it out excellent. of the park both times. Yeah, he uh, officiated my sister's wedding. Ah, well, that's yeah. excellent, too. Yeah, it was a very right. pretty wedding. I saw the pictures. It was very nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anybody else that weekend so i can hang out with my parents very good very good uh i'm gonna go ahead and uh not so much of a shout out but a uh quick psa of sorts uh mentioned going to the hospital i was in the uh va hospital this past week uh uh i have mentioned that i am the old one of the podcast in my mid-40s here and uh i had to get the uh scheduled colonoscopy done 
And it's one of those things that people don't often talk about because people think, oh, it's an embarrassing medical procedure. That was easy. It's one of those things like, you know, getting your car checked up. Uh, too many people, especially a lot of us, and I will count the fact that our, our audience is mostly dudes, uh, we don't take care of our health as much as we should. And things like that can often slip by us and things can often turn up way too late. I recommend anybody out there, uh, look at what your age appropriate health screenings are, whether it's just going in and getting your blood pressure and cholesterol checked, whether you're of the age where you should start getting the old internals checked out, uh, you know, get it done because it's better to be forewarned of health problems that can come up than to have it get serious too late. Uh, you know, take care of yourself out there. Uh, if, if you've got health insurance, use it. That's what it's for. Like having to be clear. Toshi Sleepin Radio is advertising that you should bring diapers to X-Wing tournaments and you should get a colonoscopy. And like, absolutely, I, I wholeheartedly exactly. agree um, with Matt, not Doug. <laughs> I, 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 I said I went, I went to the ER a couple weeks ago. I had a, I had a scare. Like, I could have not had that if I'd seen a doctor in the last five years. Like, yeah, I've been really yeah. bad too. Get an actual I, doctor instead of just going yeah. to clinics all the time. My or checking, checking WebMD. Yeah, That's, I've been. See, I've had cancer for years from WebMD. True. Yeah, I'm really bad at it too. And Donna tells me all the time that I need to go get. A yeah, regular you're married doctor. to a doctor now. Well, yeah, and she's not nice to me, so she makes me go to other people. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but yeah, that's our our PSA for the week, guys. Take care of yourself. So on that note, for Tashi Station Radio, I'm Matt. I'm I'm Alex. And I'm Greg. Take care of yourself out there, guys. Well, no, Greg, Greg, no, Greg. It was the last no, one syllable word said. Craig. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Toshi Station Radio. Be sure to give us a thumbs up and subscribe. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon Podcasts. Follow us on our social media on Facebook at Toshi Station Radio, an X-Wing podcast. On Twitter at Toshi Station XW on Twitch at Toshi Station X-Wing, and on YouTube at Toshi Station X-Wing. If you want to help us offset our hosting costs, you can go to co-fi.com slash Toshi Station X-Wing and toss us a few credits to help keep the hubs off our back. Stay safe, fly well, and we'll see you next episode.